Sam Darnold here, he just looks like what an SC quarterback should look like. He's a prodigy, a talented guy who took over when the Trojans were already one and two, only lost one game as a starter. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Draft Daily. Today I'm joined by a very special guest, uh, the QB guru of Draft Twitter, uh, Mark Schofield of IT Pylon. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Mark Schofield. Mark, how are we doing today? I'm doing well, my friend. How are you? And w- congratulations on the launch. Thanks, man. I'm, I'm really excited about it. Uh, I, I found that I'm better at giving analysis than recording podcasts, but you know, I, I'm, I'm figuring this out as I go and uh, hope, hoping that people like it. Dude, you'll, you'll, get, you'll get in the flow, man. I know you will, and you're going to crush it, buddy. I'm, I'm high hopes. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. So uh, speaking of high hopes, the guy we're going to talk about today is Sam Darnold. And he came into this season with what I would say is unrealistic expectations, kind of. He, he killed it his first year in school, and teams got film on him, and people's expectations went through the roof, and he disappointed a lot of people. Do you think it's fair to say that he had a subpar season, or do you think it was more based on those expectations? Yeah, I think that you know, it's more the latter, and that's sort of the life cycle of quarterback evaluation, particularly in sort of the draft Twitter era, is that we all spend so much time breaking these guys down. It's a year-round thing. We start early on these guys. We start to build expectations and look no further than last year in Deshaun Watson, who for a lot of people came in into last season. Was, oh, this is going to be the guy. He's going to be QB1 there. He's going to do great things. Obviously, he led him to a national championship game You know, two years ago. They didn't, beat, they didn't win that game. They didn't beat Alabama, but there were high hopes for him. He comes out, he throws some interceptions, he makes some mistakes, and people start to think, oh, you know, I- I'm not sure if he's going to be good enough. Maybe there are concerns with him making throws to the boundary. He's getting baited into mistakes. Let's start to look elsewhere. And it was the same thing with Darnold in a, to a certain extent. I mean, look back almost a year ago, man, when people were at the Combine, Daniel Jeremiah, everybody who was out there was saying, look, the top, talk of the Combine last year is Sam Darnold. Nobody could wait until this guy comes out because he's the sure thing. He's the real deal. Then what happens? He makes some mistakes. He makes some interceptions. People start nitpicking. They dive into the field. And then they're like, well, maybe I'm out on him. Maybe I'm going to go look at guys like Mike White, Kyle Laletta, et cetera, et cetera. It's just sort of the life cycle. These guys get built up and then broken down and built back up again. I still think he's an extremely talented quarterback, as we'll talk about. But, yeah, I mean, I have concerns. But I think that with the right coaching and development, he can get those worked out. Yeah, I, I think it's something I really wish we'd learn <laughs> eventually that, you know, the the guy of next year's class is going to get put under the microscope and warts are going to happen. And, you know, just because he's not a perfect quarterback prospect doesn't mean he's not a great quarterback prospect. Um, yeah, and you know, I, I know you've written about that. You know, I've written about it as well. Sort of, you know, the hype gets going on these guys. And we need to remember, we're talking about 19, 20, 20, we're on year old kids, that sometimes they regress a little bit. Sometimes there's a step back a little bit. But you got to sort of look at the bigger picture and take a step back and not get so caught up in the weeds with this stuff and just look at the long term with all of them. Yeah, absolutely. So when we started looking at Sam Darnold, 
I was watching this film and I felt like, you know, if Aaron Rodgers and Blake Bortles had a baby, it would be Sam Darnold because of the inconsistencies, but also some of the absolute amazing plays. His mechanics are the first thing I want to talk about with him because it's it's the first thing that really stands out on his film. How worried are you about that? If it were, see, let's split it in half for a second. If it were just the upper body, I'd probably be fine with it. I wouldn't worry too much because he does have that loopy sort of throwing mechanism. But we've seen quarterbacks make that work in the NFL. I mean, Russell Wilson has a loopy throwing mechanism. He makes it work in the NFL. And you can get by with that if you've got time and anticipation. And that's something that Darnold shows pretty well on his tape. He's an aggressive guy. He can make anticipation throws. He can make time-based throws. So if it were just the upper body, I wouldn't be that worried. But then you factor in the lower half too. And I know he's working with Jordan Palmer. They're working on that front leg and driving towards the target but on a lot of his interceptions you see that left leg come open you see him stepping away from the target stepping in the bucket and when you combine the two that's sort of a recipe for concern i think if they iron out the lower body he's gonna be fine because i'm not as worried about the upper body but then you, you know you mentioned the name blake bottles and how long have we been talking about his mechanics at some point he's refined him a bit but they've been an issue that's dogged him throughout the first four years of his career. So for Darnold, it's a matter of if can he fix the lower half? And if he can, I'm not as worried about the windup. But if he can't, then the mechanics become an issue for him going forward. Yeah, I think that's a really good assessment. Um, well, you see on a lot of his interceptions, he steps away from the target and the ball's inaccurate. Uh, the thing that gets me excited about him is when he throws the ball on the run, I mean, there there are just dimes all over the field. And I almost think he's less concerned with his mechanics and it's just natural when he throws on the run. And that's when you see all the good throws. So to me, that gives me hope that if he does fix the mechanics, you know, every, everything's going to be kind of what he was hyped up to be how, how do you feel about him as an athlete uh because i feel like people keep talking about he's a sneaky athletic person which tends to be code for he's, he's a white guy who can run a little bit but i know he played linebacker in high school he, he seems to move around the pocket really well create plays um and kind of be a quarterback that can succeed in this modern day uh league yeah i, I think he's certainly athletic enough where you know, he can break and extend plays with his feet. He's usually tough in those situations. He's not somebody that will bail from a pocket. He'd rather stay and fight, but if he has to extend by rolling right or left, as you highlighted there, he can make some highlight reel type throws in those situations as well. Usually pretty good at keeping his eyes downfield, is aggressive in those situations, maintains, you know, sufficient aggressiveness where he wants to make a throw downfield and will run at the last minute. But, you know, he can do the things to sort of slide, move, and escape, somewhat like Bortles does, where, you know, he can pick up you know seven eight yards on a situation and keep you ahead of the sticks if he's facing pressure and he has the play strength in some of those situations as well to you know fight off a defender in the pocket if he has to so i don't know if like sneaky athletic is the way i describe it i think he's an athletic quarterback you know i don't think there's any sort of sneakiness about it and he's certainly dangerous enough for those situations where he can help out his offense he can help a protection break down up front as well so I think that's a plus for him when you're looking at the total package of Sam Darnold. Yeah, absolutely. And um, one of the huge key components to transitioning to the NFL is how well you, you can read a defense, how you can throw with anticipation, how you can go through your progressions. Um, you, you highlighted on YouTube, and you broke down every single one of his interceptions, and I encourage everyone who's listening to this podcast to go on and, and watch it because it's really enlightening. But one of the things he's done on a couple of them is that he locks into his first read. You also see him very comfortable going through progressions on other plays. H how do you 
feel about his ability to work through progressions? I feel like the, the ability is there with him. It's just it needs to be pulled out of him a little bit more because, you know, when you see examples of him working through reads and going to one, two, third, sometimes even the fourth read in a play, you know that he can do it. But there are times where quarterbacks, all quarterbacks, sort of get in that situation where whether it's, you know, down and distance situation, maybe you're feeling the blitz, maybe you've been hit a couple of times and you try to speed things up where you just know this is where I want to throw the ball in this given play. I'm going to lock on to this guy. The problem is in 99% of circumstances, you really can't do that because they're going to read you. They're going to read your eyes. That's going to draw them to the football and you're going to make a mistake. And when you couple that with, for example, a guy like Sam Darnold that does have that loopy delivery that even though it's strange, he's got good velocity and he's got good arm talent. And once he gets it to the apex of his throw motion, the ball comes out quickly it still delays things a second. So when you add that into staring down bird dog and a read, it's going to cause you problems. It caused him problems on a number of mistakes. You know, he had an interception against California where he did that interception to get Washington state. That was a bad one. It was a deep sort of lawn field throw where, you know, you have the late delivery because of the thrown motion, couple it with staring down the route. That's going to get jumped all the time. So he's going to have to be get, you know, get better with his eyes. All quarterbacks have to get better with his eyes. It's it's something you have to learn going along the way. And sometimes the only way you learn it is by throwing interceptions. And that's why, you know, just the sheer number of, of interceptions a guy throws, that isn't cause to worry about them so much. You want to see, you know, what the mistakes are that they're making and whether they learn from them. That's why last year with Watson, he threw 17 picks, but you don't see a ton of repeated mistakes. And that's something you can take away from that. Look, at least he's learning from it, and that's going to help him going forward. Yeah, because, I, I mean, at the end of the day, all quarterbacks are going to throw interceptions. They're all going to make mistakes. Um, and how you bounce back and how you learn from them is is really key. You just mentioned Watson, and I, I know you highlighted it last year, but one of the things that made you feel good about him was how well he performed in the fourth quarter uh, time and time again. And, you know, you look at Sam Darnold's career fourth quarter statistics, he's 109 for 168, which is about a 65 completion percentage with 1,471 yards, eight touchdowns, and three interceptions. And when trailing by one to seven, he's 74 of 110, which is a 67% completion percentage for 886 yards, five touchdowns, and and two interceptions. So he's actually someone I feel pretty good about in those big moments. Do you you feel the same way? Yeah, I I feel like one of the things that's on the plus side of the ledger with Darnold is sort of his aggression and sort of his ability to sort of step up in the moments like you just talked about there with those numbers, fourth quarter, close games. You know, he's a gamer. He's a gunslinger. He's got that Farvian type aspect to him, which, you know, sometimes gets him in trouble, sometimes forces him to make throws that he probably shouldn't make. But I've always been of the mind with quarterbacks that I'd rather them be more aggressive than less aggressive. or I'd rather see them take risks now and then learn to dial it back than try to prod them to be more aggressive into challenge windows because I think that sort of impacts your ceiling as a quarterback. And look at a guy like Alex Smith, the knock on him for a long time has been, you know, he needs to be more aggressive. He needs to challenge windows. And while it looked like for a long time this year, he was doing that when it came down to crunch time, you know, in the late, you know, the wildcard game against Tennessee, he bails from a clean pocket and misses receivers, misses opportunities to make plays. And, you know, it's harder, I think, to become more aggressive than less aggressive. I think with Darnold, he's an aggressive enough kid. He makes those risks. Sometimes it burns him. But, uh, you know, the numbers bear it out. He's usually pretty good, usually steps up in those mo- those moments, which is why I think teams are going to look kindly on him when they do their evals. So where ultimately do you have him among your quarterbacks? And where where do you see him going? Yeah, uh, you know, it, it's I'm still sort of doing my final cross check on these guys, so I don't have like final grades on them yet. But with Donald, you know, I I come away from this draft class sort of looking at you know Hem, Rosen, Baker, and Lamar Jackson are sort of my top four, and 
you know, I had the, you know, the top four last year, the top four this year, Donald's going to be in that mix. And with it, when it comes to him, you know, the, the issue is sort of the development and things like that. So I, I think he's one of those guys where he's going to need the right sort of landing spot and sort of developmental track for, you know, him to sort of reach his ceiling, reach his potential as a quarterback. I could see him getting drafted anywhere from one, you know, he's going in the top 10. I don't have any qualms about that. I, I think it's a little bit higher than I would have him ranked sort of in a vacuum, but given sort of how quarterbacks get overvalued and how they move up boards, it wouldn't surprise me to see, you know, it wouldn't surprise me to see him go early. And from talking to people down in Mobile, talking to people that, have, you know, have sources on the inside, wouldn't surprise me to see him be the first, first quarterback taken because other guys have warts too. And some of the warts that the other guys have, maybe it's Mayfield and his height. Maybe it's Josh Allen and the, the track record we've seen with him. Maybe it's, you know, Josh Rosen and some of the off-field stuff. Maybe it's Lamar and you just don't trust him playing the quarterback position like some people do. Maybe to you, Darnold and the flaws that he have aren't as bad as the other guys. And so Darnold might be the first quarterback taken, and I can totally see that. He probably won't be QB1 for me, I'll say that. He's probably more in the QB3 range, QB4 range even. But I can understand why people would have him at the top of their board, and I more than understand that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you and I kind of view him very similarly, where his ceiling is terrific. There, there are certainly warts. He's not the perfect prospect that people made him out to be, but he, that was never going to be the case. Do you have a team that you'd like to see him go to that you really think he could succeed? I, I mean, I was watching his film, and I would have loved to see him in Kyle Shanahan's system kind of get QBs out on the move and make all those throws, but obviously Jimmy G's there. And that's not going to happen. Um, so I'm trying to think of a perfect fit for him. But do, do you have one in mind? Yeah, you know, Donald's really interesting sort of from that scheme fit perspective because you're trying to find a fit for a guy that, you know, can at times process information quickly, that at times can make those anticipation throws that you need sort of in a time and a rhythm-based offense. And that's kind of where I had him most projected was most for sort of an Ernst Perkins system similar to what the Patriots run, you know, and – when you look at sort of the top of the draft board, I think now with Todd Haley in Cleveland, I'm not sure that's really the best fit for him because, you know, I think they're looking for more of a downfield vertical type passing game, which is why I, I think maybe, you know, Cleveland might at some point look to Josh Allen because I think Allen would be a good fit for that. You know, with what Denver's trying to do offensively, he might be a good fit for them at five. I don't know if he lasts that long. I don't know if he gets past the Giants at two. I'm not sure Shermer's offense is the best fit. I think out of the team sort of picking early in the draft, Denver might be the best fit for him sort of schematically. But, you know, if Donald's there on the board at two, it would really surprise me to see him get past the Giants. Yeah, that was the whole rumor for months, right, where if Donald's going to come out, it's because he thinks he's going to the Giants. That's, yeah. That's where he wants to go, and they want him. And then, of course, that rumor happened, and then the head coach and GM changed, so now we don't know if that has any truth to it still. Right. You know, it, it might change, but you know, I, I think that would be a good fit because it would, again, give him sort of a situation where he could learn for, from Eli for a year or two, maybe longer, who knows. And then it's a situation where I think his personality fits well with New York City and the Big Apple. You know, I, I think for the Giants, you know, they might be concerned about a Baker Mayfield's personality. They might be concerned about a Josh Rosen's personality in New York City. But Darnold seems like he's more sort of clean away from the field. Maybe that's the thinking there. Again, you know, when I'm looking at these guys, I'm looking more at the tape between the lines. I think schematically it would work. And, you know, maybe the off-the-field stuff meshes well with what they're looking at in that organization. Yeah, 100%. I think he's right now 
Sam Darnold is higher on NFL draft boards than he is on fans draft boards. I think one of the things that happens with a lot of players is the bowl game is the first time a lot of people watch college football and he plays against Ohio State which people talk about it has NFL defensive talent and he doesn't look great on national TV so people are saying that he's going to be this bust of a player but I still think the talent's there for for him to end up with a big time NFL career and I'm with you where I fully expect him to go top 10. I think that Denver fit you pointed out would be uh, really interesting and he would have some young weapons too to work with which is something I always like for a young quarterback not to not just the coach but he's going to have Thomas and Sanders and those are guys that could really help a young quarterback develop so I really like that Mark I just want to thank you for coming on man your your QB knowledge is second to none um, I try to read every single thing you put out because I feel like it makes me a better talent evaluator so I would thank you for coming on of course, man. And thank you, first of all, for inviting me. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for the kind words. You do great work yourself, man. Don't sell yourself short. You, you crush it all the time. I always check your stuff out. One of the best people to follow on Twitter. I'm always you know, making sure I'm reading the takes and the tweets. So keep it up. This podcast is going to be great. And you know, the more good content we can get out there, the better. So thanks for having me on, man. Just go ahead and keep crushing it. Awesome. And guys, you can follow him at, at Mart Schofield on Twitter. Um, tomorrow's guest will be Matt Waldman as we talk about Josh Rosen. As always, guys, thank you. <laughs>